0: talk dirty to me. The Quick and the Dirty with Hillary and Sandra.
1: You're kidding me. Here are things that I have put in my mouth. Oh my God, Hillary.
0: It's what everyone is talking about. I'm Hillary from London. I'm Sandra from Ottawa and welcome to the Quick and the Dirty podcast. It's basically what you talk about with your friends
1: and uh, well, usually you're drinking, but we do it live (laughs)
0: on well, we don't do it live. We recorded and then <laughs> posted on the internet. But you know what's funny is that you, you joke about us uh, not drinking. I feel like I'm still kind of drunk from the Labor Day long weekend, which was a few days ago. But I feel like my liver still isn't quite right. So maybe I'm not 100% <laughs> sober. That's all I've got to That's all. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a seven day detox from that. God.
0: And you know, back in the day, it would be like, you know, a couple of days, a, a night, and I would bounce back. Now it's like a, it's like a whole thing of protein shakes and water and moisturizers. It's like, a, I even bought chapstick because my lips started to dry out from all the drinking. I'm like, that's just bad. That's just bad, Hillary.
1: <laughs> can you believe it's like the first week of September and kids are back to school? Uh, well,
0: you know, that is, that is where my heart is getting a little bit heavy this week. My youngest started grade nine earlier this week. And, you know, high school is pretty tra- traumatizing for some people. Like, can you remember your first day of high school? Yes, I went to
1: a different high school than my brother. I had to bus an hour and a bit to get there. Because it was a fancy pants arts school. And uh, I don't know. It was not terrible, but I just don't expect to be liked.
0: So you, so whatever happened on that first day of school would have exceeded your expectations. No yeah. matter what, it would be fine. That is awesome. Any dreams to crush? That's right. Well, you know what they say: the secret to life is lowered expectations. You got it down, girl. But you know, this week I, I like, honest to God, the first day of school for him, I had full blown anxiety. I was like stressing about it until I got a text from my husband saying the kids were at school and he was fine, and I thought, okay, everything's going to be fine, but. My first day of high school, I feel, was like a John Hughes movie in slow motion.
1: <laughs> what was so terrible about what it? What I
0: wore, Hillary. What, you, what should you wear on the first day of school? I don't know. Jeans? Jeans, shoes? sneakers. And you know, you know what you want to do on the first day of school? You want to blend in. That's what you should. Like, that is, in retrospect, <laughs> a pair of sneakers and just, you know, taking okay. it down a notch. Probably. I realize
1: how far this could have gone wrong because you are Sandra P
0: <laughs> and there is nothing about you that blends in. I, well, and, but, well, the worst part is my family had just, just moved back to Montreal from Ottawa, so or from uh, Ontario. And I, f- I felt like I had a lot of people to impress because I didn't know anybody. I had a couple of family members, cousins in the school, who were going to introduce me around on that first day, they said. So I thought it was all about, you know, their cousin from Ontario was coming and I better, you know... Uh, you know, be a, a style icon early. All right. So describe the outfit because I, I got to know. I, it was a pair of um, black, too long slacks. You know, you know the style where the, the slacks are just a little too long because you're, you're too cool to taper them. Right. Um, a, over the sh- a one-shouldered red um, kind of a sweatshirt, kind of, okay. but, but very, you know when you try too hard to make it look ragged? <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> Okay, but like so the you design, cut the
1: account. neck off and then like let it hang over one shoulder.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I teased my hair as high oh as it could go, I, <laughs> and I had long hair, so it was it and was it, terrible. Sandra is
1: great. It was terrible. She's got dark curly <laughs> hair, so it's big enough to begin with, and yeah. then you add teasing and hairspray. Did yeah. you have the big like? Because the thing in that time was like the big high like wave in the front yes
0: that's exactly what it was with like a bad bang like the bad bang was the thing and you know when you have curly thick hair that uh, teasing comb really has a lot to snag onto so you got a lot to work with (laughs) the worst decision I made was two inch heels Two inch heels. Who the fuck did I think I was on that first day? So when <laughs> Sandra I Sandra that's who you thought you were. So when I walked down this school, the hallway, the fair, I went to the, the office, I got uh-huh. my timetable, and I started walking down the longest hallway of life. Uh, like li- literally, think the shining for a minute. The right, longest okay. hallway of life. And all you could hear is clip clop. Clip, plop, <laughs> clip, plop, and you know how the floors are in high schools—the acoustics aren't good with Slippery the lockers too. So it's like reverberating. Is that the right word? Reverberating. Yes. <laughs> everything's and everything's amplified now, and I'm uh, and I'm I'm seeing every single pair of eyes turn to me <laughs>
1: like slow motion. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like and and you know you can just see their eyes going, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs>
1: And then, you know, they're also staring at your ass on the way.
0: There was no, and I'm not very good in walking in heels to begin with. So it was a very slow, slow motion kind of a walk down the hallway. And I honestly thought, I thought I was all that in the bag of chips. I really, really did. It was only weeks later when I became friends with all these people that I was trying to impress. and Everybody was comfortable that they were like. You were a fucking idiot on that first day. (laughs) They were all very honest with me that they were all, you know, and you laugh at somebody on the first day, it was me. (laughs) So that's. New shoes. (laughs) I, you know, so I I hope that my son just just blended in. I don't know what he, I still haven't even asked him what he wore, but I'm sure he didn't wear his heels that day. But anyway.
1: (laughs) I feel like guys have it so much easier than girls.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what do do they care? They wear probably their high top sneakers. Yeah, it's like a uniform.
1: Everybody wears the same thing.
0: Yeah. And and it's funny because my my 14-year-old honestly does wear the same thing every day. I have to remind him that things need to get washed. So it could go south for him in that department very, very quickly. (laughs)
1: My big thing about back to school outfits is you always buy an outfit that's way too warm for what you need. Exactly. Because parents want to buy clothes that are going to last into fall. It's your new outfit that you wear like once a week. Right. So you've got layers and you've got long pants and shoes and socks and you haven't worn full shoes all summer long. And you're just melting by like second (laughs) period. Yeah, but you look good. (laughs) <laughs> Until your like makeup is running down, like mascara back in those days, not good. Oh, like oh, it was no. messy. It was
0: cheap too. Oh yeah, used to. It, oh, I remember that bad the mascara. The Bonnie Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bonnie Bell mascara. Oh, we've come a long way since those Bonnie Bell days, haven't we? Uh,
1: so funny. Yeah. So, what is
0: your quick this week, Hillary? I, I, I feel like there's been conflict in your life.
1: <laughs> what is there not conflict exactly. in my life? Exactly. So, My boyfriend and I went to visit friends of mine in my hometown, so I say, but he thinks I'm a big, dirty liar, and it is not, in fact, my hometown. So what do you consider to be your hometown? Uh,
0: Probably the place where I spent the most time as a child. Or or maybe the place where I have, I would consider my hometown to be Montreal, even though technically I spent my elementary years in Ontario, but I went to high school, CEGIP, University of Montreal. The best memories for me were in Montreal. So maybe it's where you, maybe it's where, home is where the heart is. Maybe it's where you have the best memories.
1: I think that that's sort of true for me. I am definitely a home is where the heart is kind of person. And I, I would consider my hometown to be Sudbury. Which I didn't live in until I was in my 20s. But I have, I'm originally from Brampton. Right. And I l- don't know a single person who lives there now. <laughs> like, not a one. Because nobody stays in Brampton. Nobody.
0: But where are your parents? That's the bigger question. My
1: parents, when I was in my late teens, they moved to Oakville and now they live in St. Thomas, which is about 20 minutes from London where I live now. So. That, that's Either not I your don't home. have a hometown or I lived in Sudbury for eight years and I have friends that I would consider family. Like there are more people that would bail me out of jail <laughs> that live in Sudbury than anywhere else. So, yeah. So therefore, that's hometown. And I'm having this conversation with my boyfriend in the car and he's he still lives very close to his hometown. He's from a place called Corona. It's about 20 minutes from Sarnia. You can't tell him he's from Sarnia. He's from Corona.
0: Okay. All right. So, but his parents are still there and he still has lots of ties to that community.
1: Well, friends, his parents now live in Sarnia, but like close enough. And yeah, like he has ties. He goes there. It's still a place that has, you know, lots of good memories. I have no good memories of Brampton. Nothing good happens in Brampton. (laughs) I don't want to remember that I came there and he tried. He tried to convince me that I was a traitor. That I have no sense of pride in anything because I don't consider it to be my hometown.
0: You know, I don't like to cross you, Hillary, but um, I don't think Sudbury's your hometown. What? Because you moved there late into your twenties. That's not your hometown. Home. Your hometown is where you grew up. Where's your hometown? Maybe like emotionally, I grew up there. I'm still a child. It sounds Sandra. like you haven't emotionally grown up yet, Hillary. <laughs> That's the point. No, okay. How? Okay, I need a year count. How many years were you in Brampton for growing up?
1: Ah, uh, sixteen. Fuck's sakes, that's your hometown, Hillary. But I never go there again
0: anymore. Like I don't go there. Well, you can't now. <laughs> Clearly, you're done. Obviously, you're done with Brampton, and you've just shit all over the town. But that is your hometown, whether you like it or not. It is. I call bullshit.
1: Home is where the heart is. I would like consider all of my friends up north those are the forever friends what if all your forever and like, friends like when i'm
0: there i cried when i left oh that's a sad story still doesn't make it your hometown <laughs> <laughs> is it what if what if all of your friends left sudbury and they all scattered is sudbury still your hometown
1: it just feels like home i can't explain well, it
0: well, you know, OK, then I would like to adjust my earlier answer and say you can say Sudbury's your hometown. I mean, if that's what feels like home to you, that's your place in the world where you go in and then you get that hug. that you, you know, you get that little imaginary hug you feel when you go home. Mm-hmm. It feels so good and toasty, like a little warm cup of, you know, hot chocolate. Then, yeah, then you're right. It's okay. really
1: the perfect place outside of having to avoid all of my exes in a small town of, you know, like 100 and whatever people.
0: Well, oh, you really slept your way through Sudbury, didn't you? They were my 20s, Sandra. Well, what are you going to do, right? What else are you going to do in Sudbury? Yeah, well, absolutely. So I'm sorry that I was flippy floppy on you, by the way. I'm, I'm down with it. I'm totally with you now. You're right. That's okay. I've motorboated you. Oh, okay.
1: I know that there are some things that are flippy floppy. Flippy floppy. Oh. I'm just joking. Okay. Um, are you ready? I am so ready for the dirty. I'm a little
0: nervous because it's very personal this week. We don't have any guests. Yeah. Uh, We're doing it very, very differently this week. And I, And honestly, Hillary, it's because I really, really wanted to do this podcast about you because I am in awe of the last few months of your life and this weight loss journey that you've been on. And when you consider such a personal thing like weight loss, it's just... uh, For me, too, it's not an easy subject to talk about in a real way. I mean, I joke about my fat arse all the time, but I I don't know if I could sit down and really talk about the emotionality that goes with having a weight loss journey. So Mm -hmm. earlier this year, you did have gastric bypass surgery. You've blogged about it.
1: Yeah, 25th. Has it been that long? Yeah, it's just uh,
0: slightly over four months. Wow. Yeah. So you blogged about it on your website, losing dot com. So you've made a conscious effort to share your journey with everyone. But um, with it comes a lot of honest moments that you've had along the way.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's it's kind of no holds bar and I have to warn my family. Really? <laughs>
0: <laughs> do, why, why do you have to warn your family because do, is it because you have mommy issues? Like why? No, because like everything changes when
1: you lose weight. Everything, when it's a significant amount. from what you wear, you th- think about the normal things that you would think about what you wear, how you feel, um, your health, but also your sex life changes, your relationships with your partners, your friends, everybody. It all changes.
0: Does your I w- your confidence level changes, which means your entire demeanor change, changes?
1: To a certain degree, for sure. Uh, so the surgery was April 25th, and it actually took me three years to decide to do it.
0: Three years. It was a long
1: part. I-, I was actually still in Sudbury when I started thinking about it.
0: I remember talking to you about it, uh, as usual, as over drinks somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, I think
1: we were in a pool.
0: Yeah. In uh, some sort
1: of tropical location. That's right. And we, we were ha- really
0: hammered. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Every conversation we have usually starts that way. But yeah, I remember you saying that you were going to start moving things forward, that you had made the decision, but it wasn't an easy decision to make for you. Why?
1: Because a lot of people think about uh, weight loss surgery as the easy way out. And even I thought that at first. And I've never been one to sort of wrap my sense of self and sense of worth in my weight. I've always been that girl that was chubby, but still successful and still doing things. And, and I never let it get in the way. And I didn't want to give up that identity of, you know, letting it get in the way and, and taking that step.
0: So if you didn't wrap your weight into your identity, which is something unfortunately most of us do, I've done it for years, um, then, then why? Why do it?
1: Because I had a bit of a health scare when I first moved to London. Um, I have an autoimmune disorder. And when I first moved to London, I had my very first flare. And it got so bad that uh, my joints swelled and I couldn't get out of bed without the help of my dog whose collar <laughs> I would grab and say, go bruiser. And he'd pull me out of bed and even more humiliating off the toilet. Oh, oh Hillary. So and I was living in a city alone. My parents were two hours away. My boyfriend at the time was seven hours away. Hadn't come to visit in three months. I cried myself to sleep every night. And I thought, if this is my new normal, it sure would be a lot easier if I were a lot lighter.
0: Right. So and and I bet you there was a part of you that thought, okay, what uh, fast forward to 20 years, what's my life going to look like?
1: Yeah, for sure. And also when you can't move, there's not much to fucking do other than eat. Right. And you're on steroids to try and chill out the uh, the inflammation. The prednisone. Oh yeah, so like then, yeah, and then, then ninety gra- uh, milligrams a day, like more than you should ever have to take. So that's extreme weight gain. Oh, absolutely, just water so much. So like, I I probably gained thirty pounds in three months.
0: Whew. So so then you you realize you had to make a change, and the, I guess the probably. Do you think that you would have not been able to lose the weight um, by yourself just by dieting? Or was it part of it is that you couldn't even exercise to get it off?
1: The scary part was that I couldn't move. So uh, y- there's no walking. Like I couldn't walk 10 feet. My feet were locked. Like it was it was awful. And then I'd done a lot of research. I read a lot about people who had had success with This surgery in particular, like there's a couple different weight loss surgeries that I'll explain in a bit, but had a lot of success with gastric bypass. And although a a lot of surgeons are wary to give it to people, I have officially rheumatoid arthritis, uh, to give it to people with that because you can't take a lot of medications that they use as sort of typical medications to treat it. But uh, had had a lot of success of it reducing a lot of their inflammation and coming off a lot of their meds. So that was really exciting for me, and that inspired me to do a lot more research and talk to people and talk to my rheumatologist and and get things going. And then I, I finally decided that it was the right thing for me, and I had to advocate for myself because my surgeon was not interested in giving me this particular surgery. I could have had the other option. So, um, yeah but it wouldn't have done the same thing for me. You know,
0: I don't even, I'm almost embarrassed to say this as someone who's been in my body for as long as I've been in it. I know surprisingly little about the human body. (laughs) I've always said that before. So I don't understand what gastric bypass is. And I don't understand what the other options are. I just, I don't understand how you do that, except I've heard it like there's the lap band where you basically tie up somebody's stomach so they're forced to eat less. That's what my understanding is of that.
1: Okay, so the lap band is one that's not covered by OHIP at all. In Canada, uh, there are two that are covered as initial surgeries, and then you can make revisions after that. Uh, So lap band is something that you would go to a plastic surgeon for. Uh, And uh, what they do is they basically take, it's kind of like a rubber ring, like an inner tube that goes over your stomach, and then they fill that inner tube with saline, and with less or more, depending on how much they need to constrict your stomach to make you eat less. So it means you have to go keep getting it filled or having it emptied. It's a lot of doctors. Oh, visits my God. Together, right. That sounds
0: very invasive.
1: I think there's a tube. I, I don't know a lot about this one because it wasn't even on the table for me. I, uh, I wanted the one, A, that was covered and B, I've heard there's some nightmares that happen where those things, they, they shift or whatever and you can then lose motility in your bowels, which is not fun. Oh, you know what? I'll
0: wait. I'll hold off on that till I'm a senior. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So I had uh, in
1: Canada, the two that are initially covered are gastric bypass and uh, a gastric sleeve. So the stomach stapling, the classic stomach stapling, that's a sleeve. And that's where they take your existing stomach, which is like for the normal uh, chubby person, is about the size of a football. Okay. see, I didn't even know
0: that. a football. Got it.
1: For somebody who eats a lot and then they cut it down to make it the size of a banana. So they just basically take staples and they staple it into a tube instead of
0: something that's round. That's pretty significant, though, from a football to a banana.
1: Absolutely. Now, that surgery can affect hormones in some way. There's this hormone, the hunger hormone ghrelin, I think is how you say it. And that will affect how your body reacts to hunger. So you don't necessarily feel that hunger feeling the same. It actually does change your hormones. It's not just the physical constriction.
0: OK. Really interesting. That is very interesting. So, But you didn't go with that option.
1: No, I went for one that's a little more complicated and... um I did it for a couple of reasons. So I had the gastric bypass. And in this, they basically, you've got your esophagus. So the tube from your throat goes down into your stomach. You've got a little valve at the top. They cut the tube just above the valve and they pull your stomach kind of to the side. So it sits to one side. And then they build you a new little tiny stomach, little pouch. Oh. so you, Out of material from your stomach, like your own material. Okay. So it's, they just rebuild your stomach? But wait.
0: Oh there's more. There's more.
1: Whoa. Then they cut your lower intestine and they bring it up to that that new pouch. And then they reattach the bottom of there's a tube that comes out the bottom end of your stomach and your uh, your gallbladder and your gastric juices and all sorts of stuff. They flow into your stomach. So you still need those. But they reattach the bottom of your stomach further down on your small intestine so that they those juices still get used to digest your food. But all the digestion, it doesn't happen in your pouch. It happens in your intestine. Wow. So the, the, it's just a
0: restructuring.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I still have my stomach. It's in there. In case of emergency, they can reattach everything, well, thank which God. is kind of
0: what I liked. I was like, I've got a backup plan. It's cool. Yeah, don't throw my stomach in the back <laughs> dumpster, if you don't mind. I'd like to hang on to it for a little while. But, you know, your life, must, have from the time you went into that hospital to get that surgery, from the time that you left, everything did a giant 90-degree turn, didn't it? You Well, it happens before. It's a year-long process or more
1: to get The surgery. You have to go through psychological evaluations. You've got to they look at what you eat. They look at all your blood work. You've got to get a heart monitor. You've got to they gotta measure the size of your neck to see if you need a CPAP machine, which is like a sleep apnea machine. Oh good. They do all sorts of stuff.
0: (laughs) That's what you want at night. One of those too, right? (laughs)
1: Darth Vader. (laughs) Yes.
0: Okay. I'm so sexy. (laughs) I'm I'm amazed. At how it's complicated, but I guess it's kind of simple. And now in theory, I mean, I know you have to follow a really, really, really strict diet. But is, is there any way to reverse it without having to do? I mean, is there any way that you could start overeating and then just
1: oh, absolutely. gain weight again? The more you like those pouches, human flesh is amazing. It stretches. So don't I, I just it. make sure that I don't eat more than like a cup of food is sitting. Is there- Like, I can gain weight if I eat all fat. Like, I would still gain weight, but the idea is to have a balanced diet, watch what you eat. Certain things will make you throw up, which is not fun. No. Like so, yeah. too much sugar, too much fat, your stomach will have its own things. Some people never eat eggs again. Some people can never have dry chicken. Like yeah. It,
0: it just everybody's different. Not going to lie. I kind of want that. If I, if I knew that I would throw up if I had too much sugar, I'd eventually learn. Right, <laughs> like somewhere hey. down the road, I'd be like, I'm gonna. Uh, that's I'm, and now I'm at that age too, where if I have chocolate, it turns my stomach because I'm just getting old, and things turn your stomach. <laughs> so you, you don't know? even need it, like, <laughs> right? <laughs> but then, but then you you know when you're you know sometimes when you're a woman and you need chocolate at a certain time of the month, you can't be reasoned with either. So you know you just make you yourself just feel sick. Like shit. You just you just feel like shit all the time. So do you feel? Do you feel better?
1: I feel great. I've been very lucky. Lots of people have a really tough time. And if you don't follow the after surgery diet, which is slow, like liquids for weeks. I can remember the first time I ate solid food after it was like, hallelujah.
0: <laughs> like, finally, I'm chewing. It's a miracle. So for the rest of your life, you have to follow this very strict diet. Otherwise, like you said, you could vi- get very sick, which is scary. Hmm. Are you scared? No.
1: I thought I would be, and eventually, like, you get looser with things as you get to know your body. Yeah. Um, but I thought I would be scared, and I'm not at all. I did a ton of research. I, I'm i paranoid, so I'm one of those,
0: like, over Googlers. Yeah. Oh, Google MD. I'm one of those, too. Oh, yeah.
1: hundred <laughs> percent. I have a rash <laughs> on my thigh. Yeah. What does it mean? <laughs> I, I got to say, like, if you don't know what you're doing or what you need... You can't advocate for yourself. And there are many very good doctors in this world, but they don't know you like you
0: know you. You know, forget about the medical stuff for a second. What about the emotional part of this? And what about the judgy people in the world who are going to say, and they're, you know, there are, they've said it before. Oh, you're just, you can't, you're just being lazy by having that surgery. Were you worried about that mentality?
1: 100%. 100%. We all are.
0: Did you, I slowly
1: yeah. like told people. You're one of the first people I told I was going to do it because you're like my personal life coach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then you're in big trouble. <laughs> you know. Things are spiraling, aren't they? Oh, you're so nice for saying that. Um, I'm a terrible problem solver. I should have probably told you that a long time ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but well, we're all bad at solving our own problems. Oh, Other yeah. people's, we have so much clarity. Yeah. Oh, and that's when we talked about the year of Hillary. Yeah,
0: how we We came up with a whole life plan about my career and my life. Yeah, we did. And then you um, moved and then things were sort of delayed for a little while, but you moved forward. That was all you had nothing to do with it. I was just drunk in a pool one day. You know, (laughs) (laughs) don't listen to me. But yeah, I I
1: think that's the biggest fear for a lot of people is who do I tell? And a lot of people don't tell anyone like a lot of people. They let it be shameful. And I think for me, part of the reason I got like this is because I've always been ashamed. I mean, I'm the uh, survivor of sexual abuse. And, and I think part of the reason I let myself get chubby is that I wanted to be protected. I didn't want to be a victim. I didn't want to be uh, noticed. So you put a pack on the pounds, no one will notice
0: you. You're not cute anymore. So it was pure emotional eating.
1: Oh, 100%. And uh, I think... I had a, my mom was quite sick when I was young, so she wasn't able to do a lot for us. We were fending for ourselves and, and it's just, it happens. And I think I also have terrible genes. My, my family on the female side, we are, uh, we are not delicate women. We are. You're Germans, right? Yeah. We're meant to pull plows and trod slowly. (laughs) (laughs) We're hefty.
0: I love um, I, I don't know when that became a bad thing though you know what I mean I mean we yeah but again had you grown up in a let's say you grew up now the way our our children are being grown up to accept their bodies and not to body shame other people and accept that curvy is beautiful and, and the right way in many respects do you think things would have been different for you Maybe.
1: Maybe. I think that part of my relationship with food is messed up because my mother's is. And, like, one of our generation's maybe biggest faults with parenting is that a mother's insecurities become a daughter's insecurities because they hear about it all the time.
0: You know, when I was growing up, my mother was uh, she's a very thin woman. She used to model when she was a teenager. She's she is drop dead, gorgeous and still glamorous at 71. But when I was growing up, I watched my mother diet, constantly dieting. And she didn't diet like a normal person where she'd count calories. She'd starve herself for days. And she she still does that. When she has a big event coming up and she needs to drop five pounds to get into a dress, Mm -hmm. she starves herself and she can do it because her willpower is ridiculous because she wants to look good that badly in a dress. And uh, when you watch someone have that kind of a relationship with food too, that's, that's, (laughs) again, mommy issues is what we should call this freaking podcast, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But you, you, you know, and that's just the way it was for her growing up too, you know? Uh, I just find it interesting the way we come from two different places, but weight issues and the relationship you have with food can come from so many different places.
1: Well, yeah. And then our parents, they say, oh, well, shouldn't you be watching what you're eating? Because, you know, there's just so much tied up in it.
0: Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, on my on the Greek side of my family, on my dad's side of the family, I remember every, I, we, I, you know, there's 800 cousins and uncles and whatever. You didn't see them all the time. And when you'd check in with a second cousin or an uncle that you hadn't seen in a year, they were the, they were not delicate people in that they would say, oh, you're getting fat. <laughs> like, they would just say that to you back then. Like, do you remember Did anyone do that to you? More when I had lost weight.
1: So if I had worked really hard, I got kind of, um, well, I've been through different stages of being skinny and fat. And uh, I I used to hate the attention you would get when you lost weight. I lost a big chunk of weight in my 20s. And everybody treats you different. And that was like maybe why I hadn't taken this step earlier is that I really wanted to be ready for people to be assholes and start treating me completely different because I don't want to be an angry person and I have to be okay with that
0: it's funny that when you lose weight everyone can feels like they can talk about your body right isn't that funny though I mean I think people feel like they can talk about everybody's body no matter what it's like our bodies are public property which
1: is so fucking wrong is it wrong though to tell someone you look great Uh, I don't think so, but I always make sure that I try to include an emotional thing. You look really happy and healthy and great. Yeah. Or how are you feeling? Because you look fantastic and healthy. Like, I I always try to add that.
0: And, but you know, you should throw in young too, because we like that. Yeah. (laughs) The older broads like that. (laughs) You look so young. What are you eating? (laughs) When you've been on diets in the past, have you been honest with people? Like, are you open about your struggles? Yeah. Um. I've, I've, I've fluctuated oh, like just like you have, but fluctuated almost dangerously over the course of my entire life. I've often joked that I've been on a diet for 35 years, but I have been since I was, um, I'm going to say like 10 years old, say. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, five foot, I was almost 5'10 by the time I was 12. So I was a giant behemoth child who was always the kid at the back of the school picture, the tall one. With, mm-hmm. with the teacher. And I wasn't a small kid. I was always, it turns out I always said I was big boned. Turns out I'm not. But anyway, <laughs> I just have regular size bones. But at the back then I used to say, I'm big boned. And my mother used to say, I'm big boned. And then I would be on diets. My my mother started sending to me to a dietitian. I think when I was 14 for the first time. And then um, I remember I I had to do in my 20s, a split shift. That's when you go to work in the morning, you'd nap in the afternoon, you go back to work in the evenings. So that was just awful. It was crazy. I gained 30 pounds in my 20s just doing a split shift and I never recovered because then I started having babies Mm -hmm. and then I lost a bit of weight again between babies. And then I I remember how disappointed I was when I was pregnant the second time because I'd almost reached my goal weight and I was like, I'm happy I'm pregnant, but fuck. I finally got to, I'm so close, you know? (laughs) Do you think that starting kids on diets that early fucks you up? No. Yes, absolutely. And then you start having this crazy relationship with food where it's bad to eat. And then you just, then you you feel bad about about it. it. Then you lie about it. Then you feel guilty about it. But when I was in my mid thirties, I'm very lucky through the radio station, we did a, I won't even name the company, but we had a deal with a weight loss company. And they I was their spokesperson for a while. And I thought the only way I'm going to finally lose this friggin weight is if I own it publicly. And if I tell everybody about it, then I'm going to be shamed into losing the weight. Mm-hmm. And it worked. <laughs> I lost 80 pounds. And I think that's
1: part of the thing. Like I wanted people to know because, first of all, you're going to know. Yeah. Like, if I drop a chunk of weight. It's not like it magically disappears and we pretend it never happened.
0: Just own the weight loss journey because most people can certainly relate to weight loss or sadly not being happy with their body in some way. That's the reality of life for most women, right?
1: My biggest fear with uh, telling people that I was doing this surgery is that I guess... As a chubby person in the media and somebody who was very happy to go out and be active and just kind of bear it all, whatever. I didn't want people to think that I had given up on believing that you could be healthy and happy and, you know, a plus size girl. Because I still believe you can be happy and healthy and plus size. I can't be overweight and healthy, like with my condition. I just can't.
0: But you can be You can be overweight and healthy. Uh, Well, some people can. Um, You know, you can be, what's that expression? Fit fat or something like that? Yeah. Is that? Like, I honestly think it doesn't really matter as long as
1: you're keeping an eye on your health. And then when, if and when you get a wake-up call and your doctor says, you know, seriously, get it under control because it's really going to harm you, then you just got to do it.
0: Yeah. Have, Have you found that now you've lost a significant amount of weight and you're still losing? Have you found that people are treating you differently or is it are they treating you differently because you're presenting something different to the world?
1: I don't know that I'm presenting anything different yet because your brain is fucked and I still look in the mirror and I don't see any changes. Are you serious? Like none. Maybe in my face a little bit. Or if I see a picture, I'm like, oh, I didn't have to spend a long time making somebody take a picture from a different angle so I don't cry.
0: But like, <laughs> I see pictures of you now because you've been doing your 30 dresses and th- you've been doing something on Instagram where you take pictures of yourself in dresses. I can mm-hmm. I can notice you're definitely on your face so much on your face. And like, to- I, I see it. I guess it's because every day it's, you know, it's, it's like when you, uh, you you see someone every day, you don't notice the subtle changes and you see yourself every day. <laughs>
1: but even when I was in my 20s, I lost uh, about 90 pounds. And even at my thinnest, I would get all this attention from guys and it would just mess with your head because I'm still the fat girl. Like, I think in my head I'll always be the fat
0: girl. And all of a sudden, you're not the fat girl anymore. You're the hot girl.
1: But like, that's a mind fuck in itself. Like, I think ladies especially get shitty to each other when someone
0: loses weight. Whoa. Who's being shitty to you, girl?
1: No one yet, because I'm, I'm still chubby. So uh, I would say I have about 130 I want to lose, and I'm
0: down 65. Wow. Oh, my God. You're down a grade two, <laughs> kid. <laughs> 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 We're going to put it into perspective here. That's awesome. That is so awesome. So women, women are shitty because they're threatened because there's a, there's a hot girl in the mix. Well, I don't even know if it's a hot girl, but this
1: person that they just never saw as a threat before with men or their husbands or whatever else is now what we consider on I i guess it would be like an evolutionary level.
0: Yeah. A threat. If, if somebody is shitty to you because you've lost weight, I, that obviously speaks to their own insecurities. And that's a, oh, yeah. that's a win for you. <laughs> it's a big win for you. But you even
1: notice it in, like,
0: girls who want to hang out now. Like,
1: oh, let's go for drinks, because you're not embarrassing to have in our group anymore. No, that—are you serious? Oh, for sure people want to do things now. And you think the reason they didn't before was
0: because of your size?
1: So your friends invite you out. You're going out on on the town with a group of girls to pick up guys. Like, especially when you were—I was younger and I wasn't in a relationship. They don't want, like, the uggo hanging out, like— if they meet a group of guys and one's got to take one for the team, like,
0: uh, excuse me. Having an ugly friend is very, very beneficial because you look <laughs> much hotter next to an ug than you do next to a hot girl. So don't, I think you're wrong. Maybe you weren't reading that properly. <laughs> don't you like everybody knows to have the, uh, the no, dog right? I, yeah. And I, I, wanted, As if.
1: I feel bad because being chubby in no way makes you, ugly. It just of course feel not feel like the ego
0: Well, more than
1: anything it's all in you.
0: It well this is what I'm saying is that you are hypersensitive to the fact that you think everybody gives a shit about your weight. Right? Cuz I used to think I was hypersensitive about the fact that people were worrying about my weight. I would worry that I wasn't getting gigs in in the radio world because of the, my, maybe people thought well, you know, she's not perfect. She's not like one of those TV girls, you know, but then I thought, well, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. I mean, you're bringing something to the party, regardless of your size, unless Mm -hmm. you have zero personality, in which case nobody wants to hang out with you, but you don't. Look at, look at what you do for, I don't, I don't, that I don't understand, but that also comes with age. And I'm much older than everybody probably listening right now. So as you get older, you stop. That's maybe I could admit that I maybe would have behaved that way in the past. But I, I think the older you get, the less you give a shit about those non those those things. You're just just happy that anybody still fucking wants to go out with you. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> uh, you invited me. We're friends. Yeah, I know. I know. I I respect you so much for talking about this publicly, Hillary. I I mean, it's not an easy journey to talk about your parents, your mother, the emotions that go with it, the people that judge you for doing it, um, the fear of doing it, and 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 continuing doing it because you never you don't know what's going to happen.
1: Well, yeah, the hardest part of the now that I'm on the weight loss track is that no matter how hard I try. No matter how much work and how much weight I lose, my body will never look like a tight 130 pound body. Even if I get down that low, right? Because like I'll always look like a sack of potatoes, unless (laughs) I get work done. (laughs) So, are you going to? Are you? Can I even ask? Is that in your plan? Well, you have to see how things sort of roll out, and I mean that by like how many rolls you have, and. I don't know what my body will look like. So far, I still have my second boobs, which I like to call that roll underneath my boobs that Um, my boyfriend sometimes grabs thinking it's uh, my boobs. But it's not. Thanks. Um, Thanks, you shithead. Well, he sometimes grabs it. And uh, (laughs) they're still there. I mean, they're smaller, but they're still there. And then there's like the pooch that... (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> what pooch? What pooch? Well, okay. are you, what's a pooch? So you've got your like big gut or whatever. The, and... Oh, wait.
0: There's a gut and there's a gunt. Well, <laughs> Which, no. What are we talking about here?
1: I only have the one, but it hangs low. If it hangs low enough and it's empty enough, it will look like a gunt. That is when your your gut covers your business. <laughs> And I can't say the C word even on a podcast. You know, of course we're not going to say it on a
0: podcast. You know what we're talking about. But you know what? There's benefits to that. Like I've always said, you go to a cocktail party, you throw some shrimp in there. (laughs) You can save food for later. You just get your crackers and you can get, oh, whatever. Whatever.
1: So, yeah, I have my gut and it probably won't bounce back. All right. Skin surgery is only covered if you get a rash. I mean, I'm sure it's very easy to cause a rash. Well, I'll put some shrimp in there
0: right now. I'll put some some shrimp in there now. You'll have a terrible rash by like October. It'll be brutal. Just leave it there.
1: (laughs) The other thing is like your arms. So they call them bat wings.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm very familiar with bat wings. Very (laughs) familiar.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So is that a problem for you? Like big deal. I don't know that I care that much. As for like the cosmetic stuff, I'm worried I'm not going to have any boobs because they're the first things to go. So right now I am uh, four sizes different on the top than the bottom.
0: So that's not fun. Oh, is that right? Like I okay. So that's tough. Uh, to, that's tough to dress yourself. Obviously.
1: Uh, why do you think I'm doing 30 days and 30 dresses on my Instagram? <laughs> Which feel free to follow at Hillary on air. That's my Instagram. It's fun. I post a different dress every single workday. I love it. You're halfway um, into it now, right? Roughly. Yeah. Good. So, like, I'm still, oh, are we going to get into sizes? We I don't wear, have to. I uh, a size 20 on my ass, 1820 on my ass. Yeah. And uh, I'm, like, a regular large, extra large
0: on top. So, so that, that's a lot. That's, well, no, that's just, it, it's not a big deal, except for I see what you're saying, that it's awkward when you buy dresses, but you could, you could order anything and, and, and have it altered. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know, but I look like a Weeble. <laughs> like Weebles wall and they don't fall down. Like I'm bottom heavy. Well, like, then you're not, you should be happy. You're not going to fall down, Hillary. <laughs> Weebles don't fucking fall down. The rest of us do. So there you go. You're, you're, you know what it's called, winning. I don't know. You know. You know what? Lie down on the Sandra Plagakis couch, the breakthrough couch, right now. If you want some fucking live coaching, I'll give you some right now. You're worrying. You're comparing yourself when we, every woman does it. We are always comparing ourselves to other women and what the society, the standard of society is. And the standard of society isn't fucking real. When you open Vogue magazine, that is not real. That is not what women look like. Most women have cellulite on their arse. Most women have bingo wings and they have flaps of skin. And that's just the way it goes as you age, especially. It, it gets worse. Brace yourself. Oh, for sure. You know? I
1: think it's just like you're putting so much work in to still not be perfect which is kind of like it's like fuck really the good news is that i got to ruin this body all on my own i didn't have children do it
0: (laughs) good job hillary i got the party that went with the body Uh, (laughs) fuck you mothers (laughs) (laughs) like you
1: had something beautiful come out of your vagina yeah and that's why your body is different no i just had like eight 1000 cheeseburgers go in my
0: mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you were having a good time, baby.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: You know what? And and part of it too is weight gain, weight loss can do a real number on your body and so be it. So, you know, for me, I've always said and I I I used to say that you know when you say something and then you say, "Bitch, you're just saying it because that's a convenient lie that you're going to tell yourself right now." But I truly believe this in my uh in my wisdom um is fabulous is a state of mind. It really is. And it's not about your bingo wings. And it's not about if your thighs rub together, your thigh gap. It's, it's not about that. It is a state of mind. And there's a lot of skinny bitches out there that aren't fabulous. Just saying.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm like, close on. I'm a happy person. I know you are. Luckily, like, I have the sweetest boyfriend in the world. And he's amazing and awesome. And he just doesn't see the floppy.
0: He doesn't somehow doesn't see the sack of potatoes. No, he sees Hillary, which is all anyone should ever see Hillary.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And uh, so, yeah, we have an ongoing discussion that if he ever decides my boobs aren't good enough, he's buying the new ones. But other than that, he like does not care about plastic surgery.
0: <laughs> They're not good enough. <laughs> Mine haven't been good enough for twenty years. I, I've, I invest in very good bras. It's all smoke and mirrors, baby. And my other trick—maybe I'll pass this along to you if you're really not feeling great about yourself one day. Just move quickly. No one gets a good look at you. Just <laughs> dart. Learn how to dart into places. And you're It'll fine. help
1: with the exercise. There you Except
0: go. my like with all this empty skin, there's a lot of aftershocks and ripples. <laughs> You'll sit down, but yet you're still moving. <laughs> uh, so there's oh. like you got to make sure you got the spanks on for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when I see you next, I'm gonna motorboat you. <laughs> I know you like to do it to me, Which but I'm part gonna do it to me? You, all of you, oh and I'm gonna love it, and you are too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So I, I I feel like just the best place for people. I mean, I hope this has been an educational podcast for people who've been considering it maybe for people to understand why why you did it why other people might do it and i think
1: it's definitely a personal call and who you tell and who you share with is all on you i would say go for it i uh, tell people because at least then you control the narrative yeah you control like they can talk and natter and do whatever they want but if you come out and you say this is what i'm doing this is why i'm doing it and fuck you then screw them like they can't say anything.
0: Fuck them if they can't take a joke. That's what they used. To. <laughs> <laughs> that's what everybody used to say when I was a kid. I never really understood what it meant. But your website is I found very helpful because I've read it uh, from the beginning, losingitoutloud.com, and I feel like that's a good starting point. And would you be willing if anybody's listening to the podcast wanted to reach out to you personally and ask you a question? Or you tell Yeah, for them, sure. Yeah. My it, contact information's
1: on my personal website, losingitoutloud.com. Or you can get to me through Instagram at Hillary on air. I post my 30 days, 30 dresses there. And uh, you can also reach me at uh, our quick and dirty gmail.
0: What's that? What is that? The quick at gmail.com. I should know this, but I don't. It's, you know what? I'm going to have it in the podcast description for anybody who wants to check it out. It'll all be there. So you don't have to remember. As for my personal information, don't contact me. <laughs> you lie, bitch. I don't want to talk to anybody.
1: <laughs> oh, shut up. Well, thanks so much for letting me gab about all
0: this Kind of boring and super personal information. I don't think it's boring because it's about Hillary Welch, and I think you're. uh, I think you're the best, and I love that you're sharing your journey with everybody. And uh, it's just the first in many, many steps you're going to take. We'll see. Oh yes, we will see you next week, Hillary. And don't forget to follow
1: the quick and the dirty on social Instagram at Hillary on air at Sandra kiss one Oh five three Twitter at Hillary Welch at Sandra kiss one Oh five three and Facebook at quick and dirty podcast. If you've got a question for us, you can email us at the quick and the dirty at gmail.com.